unusual place. Uh, a deli? It's not a deli, it's something more. Uh, is it uh, a hardware store in space? That's really out there. It's not, it's a podcast, I think. A podcast? You know what a podcast is, Dan? I don't, Riley. Help me out. Well, you're in one. And you've been away from it so long that you've forgotten. Oh, my God. We're like uh, General Zod in Superman. We're trapped in a disc known as a podcast, aren't we? Floating through space and time. We need to be released. And the only way to be released is to do a podcast. Now, what the listener doesn't realize, that is a script verbatim from the late, great Edward Albee. It is. It won a couple of awards. Um, it was up for a Pulitzer. Didn't get it, of course, because there was something written that year about the Holocaust, and we know the Holocaust always wins. Oh, my God. What? Well, no, you, didn't you know that when you're watching the Oscars and there's a documentary film, a category comes up and there's a film about the Holocaust, and you know it's going to win, right? Apparently, this is a known thing in the documentary film community. Like, if you're going up against the Holocaust, forget it. Yeah, I mean, there's it's because it's such dramatic, uh, gripping material. It is. Yeah. Didn't you say like a long time ago in one of these shows that you find it too difficult to watch those movies because it, it's too painful? I don't watch super hyper real war movies. So, yeah, that would fall into that category because I find sometimes our dark side can be so unbearable. For example, like I'm still haven't recovered from what happened at the Capitol in Washington just a few days ago. And it just, I'm just kind of blown away lately by society. I thought I knew us better than I do. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think that with everything that's been happening the last four years in the United States and around the world, it's not just an American issue. We're seeing right-wing politics and to a certain extent fascism rear its ugly head once again Uh, in Brazil, even, you know, with Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom, not that he's the same as as Trump. There's glimmers of it here in our country. There's glimmers of it here in Canada. You know, being the age that we are, we remember well the fall of the Berlin Wall. Absolutely. the, The end of the Cold War. And how much hope I remember feeling and having uh, for the future and how it was that silly song by Jesus Jones right here, right now. Do you remember that song? Of course. Yeah. But it was the anthem of, of that moment, right? Oh, was it really? Yeah. Well, that's what exactly what it was about. It was about like, finally, we've learned our lessons as a, as a right. species and we've turned the corner. We're, we're, we're realizing that war and, you know, selfishness gets you nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I find that, you know, having that as a, as a, a measuring point, remembering the high times mm-hmm. to where we are now, where we're slipping around, we're just repeating the same mistakes over and over. And this isn't a uh, left wing, right wing thing. There are good people literally on both sides. You can oh, be absolutely. conservative and be good. I have lots of friends and family who are, who think that the terrible things that are going on are terrible. But it just seems like, yeah, a lot of stuff is is uh, slipping and it's tough to watch, you know, even with the TV and stuff that I watch that I stream now, I'm looking for things that are going to take my mind off what's going on. So to watch a dark movie, I, like I wouldn't watch Sophie's Choice right now. <laughs> Very good. Okay. I love that you, you know what? We haven't even mentioned that Welcome to the Weird. 
Oh, welcome to the weird, everybody, where we depress you by talking about things that are dark and sad. Like current events. <laughs> no, welcome to the weird. Riley, it's season two. I know season two at 2021. This is, I believe, in the Chinese calendar known as the uh, the season of the Lupin. Is it really the year of the wolf? No, Lupin, like a dwarf, like from uh, Snow White. Le petit Lutin. Oh, Lutin. That's right. Yes. Isn't Lutin um, a lantern? I don't know. When I was a kid going to the cottage, there was a restaurant on the highway that we would stop at all the time and get a can of Coke and a pogo. It's a corn dog. I believe we've mentioned them before. Yes. And it was called Au Petit Lutin. And it had a picture of the uh, the dwarves from Snow White on the sign. I'll have to look that up. You know, speaking of escapism over the holidays, I just have to mention one thing to our listeners, because I know this, this movie's not getting a lot of traction, and it needs to, is, did you see Mank? Have you seen it? I haven't. Oh, my God. It's so... Well, I just wasn't a fan good. of the... the t- I know everyone, you know, Tony Shalhoub won all those Emmys. Oh, here we go again. So, you know, I don't, I never saw the big deal with monk at all. And I don't want to see the movie because it's about the making of the TV show, right? No, just stay in fantasy land and I'll talk to the listeners. Um, Mank is the story of Mankiewicz who wrote uh, Citizen Kane, which is still viewed by film critics as one of the best films ever made. Um, I don't know if I go quite that far. I love Orson Welles work. It's a great film, but anyway, it's so good. Like Gary Oldman. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, he's so good. And in this, when you eventually watch it, you and hopefully our listeners will watch this movie. When you see the dinner party scene, you'll know that this man is probably one of the best actors currently working. Okay. I was just going to say, even though The Rock is the top paid actor in the world, this guy, uh, Gary Oldman, is he's untouchable. Um, I did see another movie you recommended. Not on the one of the, I think we were talking over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soul. Oh, man. Oh, my God. You know, I'm waiting for uh, Pixar to fuck up, and they just don't. How, how? How is that possible? Their writers are so good. Yeah. And I'm really down on Disney these days because I think they, are, uh, they have too much of a monopoly. But, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Soul. Soul was fantastic. Aside from the wonderful message, you know, of, of living every moment of your life and appreciating just the life you have and finding joy in the small things, which is really important, especially now. Mm -hmm. So when you start that movie, you think, you know, where it's going Mm -hmm. and then it just, it takes one turn after another where you are surprised at the turn it's taken. Absolutely. Like I didn't watch the trailers or anything. So I was pretty surprised by, I didn't know that they became spirits even like, or the souls. I had no idea. So great film. I highly recommend that, especially in these times we watched it with our family, but I think, you know, well, you watched it as an adult and enjoyed it. I watched it as an adult and enjoyed it. Well, that's the thing about Pixar's work. I think it's totally the most adult friendly kind of animation out there. It just, it's wonderful. Also just finished last night. um, The Mandalorian season two okay well don't i'm just phenomenal it's great it's brilliant it's everything you want star wars to be also over christmas finished fargo um the most recent iteration of fargo okay you watched it um every week 
No, I had saved it up. And I, I, I like to marathon. I like to watch everything like it's a big, long movie. I don't like this weekly. Uh, you know why? Because I don't have a very good memory. And so I prefer to just, just shove it all in there at once. I get that. I, I, I mean, I've become that way too. Although I do, like I think of back to Lost mm-hmm. and how every week after an episode would be over, I'd be scouring the internet and looking for the Easter eggs and trying to figure out what the symbolism of something we saw in that week's episode meant and trying to break it down and reading the philosophers that were mentioned and just like becoming so immersed in it. It became like this cool sort of hobby project. And I recently thought of that when I was watching the most recent season of Westworld, where uh, I was able to do that again. I watched it as they were being dropped and loved it. It was so much fun. Now, 99% of the stuff I'm watching now, I'll do exactly what you do. And I like, there's a, there's something nice about that, not having to wait and you're not, you don't forget and you get to see it all. In- well, and some shows lend themselves really well to breaking it up. I find stuff like, for example, the Mandalorian or Fargo, I just really want to see it all at once because the narrative, there's no isolation per episode of the narrative. It just, you know what I mean? It's like shows like six feet under or something like that. I could break that up because they're episodic. It's really, everything's contained in mostly one episode. I mean, there are long plot lines, but it can be comfortably broken up. But certain shows, I just want to see it all in one sitting. Not all in one sitting because that's gross. I'd be sitting in my own filth and be greasy. Don't you do that anyway? I, I do, but that's just because I have a fetish. All right. What do you have? I have no idea what you're talking about. I have gonorrhea, today. Dan, and it's no laughing matter. Didn't you do a series of commercials for gonorrhea medication in the early 2000s? Yeah, I, I, I did. I volunteered. You didn't even get paid. I called them for years and they had a restraining order. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, they took my call and I said, hey, look, I'm an actor and I want the world to know that gonorrhea isn't a punchline. And then when you said that, there was a little drum like with a laugh track. And that became a catch line for years. Gonorrhea is it a punchline. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just weird dry cough because my house is dry. I sound like an old lady sitting in the... <laughs> Did you know um, that several of our listeners were shocked to find out that you weren't an old lady. You are so awful to me. I love that. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell you a story. It's my turn this week. uh, Episode 27. Is that where we're at? (laughs) I forgot. That's a good age. You start leaving the stupidity of being a young adult behind Mm -hmm. you and just Mm -hmm. sort of moving forward. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story that takes place in Japan. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've had any stories from that part of the world, right? No. And this one was tough for me because I didn't realize this, but Japan is a very closed culture. And things that happen in Japan, um, trying to figure stuff out, they do cover stuff in the news, but not the way North America does. They're not sensationalist in any way. And also, um, it's just really hard to do research about things that have happened in Japan. And I know this for a fact now because I went down the Reddit hole on this one. Oh, I, okay. I hate having to do that. I hate it. I hate it. But this one required me to go into Reddit, deep, deeply into Reddit. Uh, and I learned a lot. I also was frustrated as hell, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I learned a lot. Um, I'm going to tell you the story tonight of the SOS incident. SOS, oh. as in Save Our Souls. SOS. I've never heard. I've never 
heard of this story. But- I think that's just what it's colloquial, colloquial, colloquially, colloquially. It's hard to say. Colloquially. I think it's colloquially. I can't colloquial, say it. Colloquially. Colloquially. Oh, my God. Watch patient. Colloquially. Colloquially. You sound like you're speaking like some foreign language. You're like colloquial with that colloquially. <laughs> Welcome to Yugoslavia. Um, <laughs> there goes all our Yugoslavian listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yes. So it's just called the SOS incident. It's not the formal thing. It's not like Area 51 where that's known by everybody. Anyway, 1989, that's where we're going. July 24th. 1989. We're in Desetsuan, and that's how it's pronounced, National Park in Japan. Uh, Desetsuan is um, one of the most famous parks in Japan. It is apparently, and I've looked at pictures and I agree, this incredibly beautiful spot. It's got a mountain in it. It's been compared to the Oregon coast, the Sunshine Coast area of Western North America, which is super beautiful. Um, It has it all. It's kind of like Yellowstone. It has active volcanoes. It's got geysers, hot springs. And its claim to fame is it's a destination for hikers. Is that for McDonald's? No. And it's super easily accessible. So it's not one of those places like in Canada, we have Algonquin Park, which is a huge drive and it's very remote. It's easy to get to. The hiking trails are very well maintained. It's just a really great spot for people to go. Does it have a monorail? It has a rail. It has a, not a, not a monorail, but it has it has a cog rail. Oh, neat. Okay, yeah. So the the mountain in it is known as Mount Ashidake, and it's beautiful mountain. Absolutely, you know the mountains in Japan, those mountains with the, the snow capped. It's mm-hmm. that mountain. It's that kind of mountain, like Mount Fuji. It's got a nice peak. It's just it's a beautiful mountain. It's this is a beautiful place. Well, and if there's one thing I really can't stand is ugly mountains. Well, I've seen some very ugly locations with mountains. Where? Some of the mountains like in Colorado are rocky and very narrow. Some of them are beautiful, but some of them aren't that great. <laughs> what? Well, it's a very like the Mount Ashidake, the one I'm talking about, is the kind of mountain you would go and paint. Like you'd put your easy old guys do, right? In their in their big floppy short pants. I've never heard anyone call yeah. mountains ugly. I can see some big beautiful oh, oh, you're awesome. Well it's true. Some mountains oh. are, like some mountains aren't that great looking. Have you been to Sudbury? <laughs> We have to take this seriously because it's a it's a serious story. <laughs> that's, like, that's the worst thing you could have just said. Oh, okay. Well, well, folks, we'll let him calm down, and I will. Uh, I will continue. Okay, so two hikers uh, who were bound for Mount Ashidaki have gone missing. Okay, and I didn't know this, but outdoor culture in Japan is very beautifully organized and people stay at lodges. They're kind of hostels, but they're better. And when you stay at a hostel, you're also provided with a meal. And Hmm. so the people didn't turn up for the meal and it was very insulting to the proprietors of the place that they didn't turn up. And then by the next day they realized something was wrong. And so they alerted the authorities that two men were missing. The hike to the peak of Asai Daki I was saying it wrong. It's Asahidaki. It's short. It can be done in about half a day if you take the cable car 
that drops you about halfway up the mountain. Oh, okay, right, right. So there's a cable car that takes you halfway up and then you can finish the ascent on foot. So they were looking for these two guys and the searchers decided to, they were going to have to use a helicopter because it's difficult terrain. And this helicopter can just cover ground more efficiently. Towards the end of the search day, uh, the day that they're using the helicopter, the helicopter search team spots a huge SOS signal on the ground. It's approximately 18 meters long. Upon closer investigation, they noticed that it had been fashioned from cut sections of birch trees, which were abundant in the uh, Desetswan Park. Okay. The location of the sign is about four kilometers from Mount Asaidaki. So we're talking still quite a ways from the mountain. There was no trail, uh, no hiking trail at all in the area in which the SOS was spotted. And it was not a popular area with hikers or people who would camp. So they realize something is up. The helicopter lands and immediately the search party begin to explore the area in the vicinity of the SOS sign. Now, about one kilometer north of the sign, the search party locates the two missing men. There they are. They're lost. They are overjoyed at having been rescued. They took a- Well, they're alive. They are alive. They're fine. It's only been a day. They took a wrong turn on the ascent and uh, went down into a valley. And the valley, uh, there's a river in the valley, and they got turned around and they had no idea which direction was up. Anyway, they were overjoyed. They were dehydrated, very afraid. And very grateful to have been rescued. And that's the end of your story. No, the hikers say, you guys are brilliant. Uh, If you hadn't erected that SOS sign, we never would have known you were here because this is a very remote location. Good for you. And the two hikers went, what? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And at that moment, they said, we did not construct an SOS sign. So those guys were red herrings. The search party are like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. So... They go back to uh, the camp and the following morning, a second search party is dispatched to the site. They want to figure out who left, obviously, the SOS sign. I just love that moment. I can just see them being interviewed. You know, the guy saying, you're so smart of you to put that SOS sign. And they're like doing what you're doing right now, nodding and going, Mm -hmm. no, Mm -hmm. we didn't do that. They can't find an axe at the site or any other sort of cutting device in the vicinity of the sign. They don't know how it was made. They begin to widen their search. And the first thing they come upon is a pile of human bones. Mm. Some were broken. Some had been chewed, most likely by wild animals. When corpses are left in the wild, they animals go after them. That's the way things work. Uh, two of the bones were broken. So they carefully piled the bones up together and sent them away for forensic examination. And it didn't take long for them to determine that the skeleton belonged to a female. About 165 feet from the SOS sign, they find a backpack shoved into a hole at the root of a tree. You know when roots at the bottom of a tree leave little openings and crevices and stuff? They find a backpack stuffed into one of those. It contains a Sony tape recorder, three cassette tapes, a bunch of basic supplies that you would probably have if you were going on a hike, you know, a water container, stuff like that, and an identification card. Now, the card matches the identity of a hiker who had disappeared about five years before this. So 
mystery solved, they finally find this missing hiker. His name was Kenji Iwamura, and he had been 22 years old at the time of his disappearance. Sorry, he? He. Okay, so there's two bodies then they've found. No. Nope. Because you said the, there was bones that were female. No, nope, they've only found one body. I thought you said they were female bones. I did say that. Okay, but the identification is for for Kenji. Yes, that's the identification. Now, Kenji was a very solitary, quiet kind of guy. Very little is known about him. We know he loved anime. Anime was his passion. We also know that uh, he worked in an office. He was an office worker, middle, mid-range. And he had been staying at a local lodge slash hostel before he had disappeared. Reports about Kenji vary widely. So it's difficult to know what he was really like. Like I said, he was kind of off the radar. Some people who knew him say he embraced an outdoor lifestyle. He was an outdoorsy Bear grills kind of guy. Others say he was not into hiking or being outdoors at all. That he was a stay-at-home, a video game, anime kind of guy. So none of the objects in the backpack, including the identification, seem to indicate that its owner had been a woman. So the next step, obvious step, is the tapes are cleaned and they're played. They're in good shape and they can be played. Two of them contain soundtracks for anime movies. Uh, the movies are namely Macross and you're going to love this. The Magical Princess Minky Momo. I love the Magical Princess Minky Momo. I know that there's anime people out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. I could never get into it. I couldn't either because... There's reasons for that, but it has a huge fan base, so God bless them. Too many too many ugly mountains. And anime is notorious for having lots of ugly mountains. I don't want to talk about this anymore. The third tape contained a man's voice. It's a very raw recording. He is screaming for help at the top of his lungs. It's an extremely disturbing recording, and he sounds absolutely terrified. And I'm going to play it for you now. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Do we know what he's saying? We do. I have a translation right here. Okay. Okay. And that goes on for like a half an hour. Oh, wow. It's not short. Is it the same repetition? Like it, that was very rhythmic almost. Yes, it is. Here's what he's saying. He is saying, I can't move on the cliff. SOS, help me. I can't move on the cliff. SOS, help me. The place is where I first met the helicopter. I can't go up deeply. Sasa, lift me from here. Sasa, I thought it was someone's name or some deity. No, it's a breed of bamboo. Oh. So he said, I can't go up deeply, Sasa. Sasa is a type of very dense bamboo. So there you go. Isn't that recording disturbing? That's terrible. I know. And a half hour of it. Why did he record it? Well, there you go. Okay, so let's not go too, too far too fast. The recording was recovered in a valley, in a very shallow valley, nowhere near a cliff. Right, this is in that backpack that was under the tree, in the tree roots. But yet, in the recording, it says, I can't move on the cliff. This was recovered nowhere near a cliff. So, at that point, authorities contact Kenji Iwamura's parents, and they confirm that that backpack was indeed their son's. 
However, they're pretty certain that the voice on the cassette is not Kenji's. Oh. Apparently, Kenji had a very deep voice. Not like that at all. Mm. The authorities are baffled at this point. They're desperately trying to ascertain when the SOS sign had been built. Wisely, they decide they would consult aerial photographs that had been routinely taken by officials from Japan's Forestry Agency and the Geospatial Information Authority. And they were passing over with airplanes taking pictures to update maps. So a photograph that had been taken, remember we're in 1989, a photograph taken in September 1987 is the first one to show the existence of the SOS sign. There's my dog. So how long had the sign been there? So sorry, that was 87? Yeah. So two, okay, so more than two years yeah. because, um, good listener, 87 is two years behind 89. And I know that because if you take 89 and minus 87, you get two. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't teach math, but I think it's pretty safe to say I could. <laughs> so forensic investigators decide they're going to take another look at the bones. And they determine that a mistake has been made and they indeed belong to a man. Okay. The blood type of the man is A. And they decide that these indeed are the remains of Kenji, who did indeed have blood type A. And this is pre-DNA. So, well, I don't think so, but I think it's pre-DNA being used forensically. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. DNA existed. No, well, yeah, but I don't think, I think they could test DNA back then, but it was a pretty I don't think they could. complicated process. Well, they were, I don't think that, when did they map the human genome? It was in the 90s. Like late, much later in the 1990s. Okay. Got to be right, don't you, Dan? Law enforcement believe that the following story. They believe that Iwamura Kenji hiked along a ridgeline. Uh, the route was not considered challenging or dangerous, but he used an incorrect landmark to turn from the trail, and eventually he became lost in the valley, the same valley that those two hikers became lost in for the exact same reason. Apparently, there is a landmark that is easily confused for the landmark where you're supposed to turn, and so they turned at the wrong landmark. However, this gets more interesting. It's highly unlikely that Iwamura could have made that sign by himself. He was just not physically robust. Everybody says that and had no experience whatsoever in chopping down trees. Just so you know, 19 medium-sized trees had been cut down wow. to make the SOS sign. Yeah. Now, birch is a very, very strong, tenacious tree. It requires a lot of effort to chop up birch. It's not like pine where you can just kind of knock it down. It takes a lot of exertion. It's a, you really got to put your back into it. He also did not have an ax or a knife in his possession, according to everyone that knew him. Also, the logs used to construct the SOS sign were really heavy, like really heavy. Some of them were like eight meters in length and almost a hundred pounds. Mm. He was not a physical guy. He was an office worker and just not that kind of guy. Two bones were broken on the skeleton, and these namely were the left shoulder and the right thigh, which leads people to believe that he probably suffered an accident because the bones were broken, not chewed. If so, there's no way he could have built the sign, not with a broken shoulder and a broken thigh bone. It was a broken high up on the thigh, which is a very serious break. That's a serious cast. Mm -hmm. So if he had followed the river 
which was right next to him, he would easily have found civilization. You just follow the river and eight miles will lead you right to a big camp. Well, that's what's weird, but this isn't like a remote. No. There's lots of traffic in here and it's not that big. And there's a mountain as, as a, a beacon. As a, a, beacon. And a fixed point. Yeah. And yeah, it's not the Appalachian Trail where, you know, you get lost. Why did he stay put in that area and not try to find help? It, it just does not make any sense. Also, if you listen closely to the cassette recording, um, there's almost no background noise on it at all. There's no wind sounds. Apparently, this is a heavy bird area. No bird sounds. No nature sounds at all. It's just him and the tape. There did. It sounded like there was another noise, though. That was just a music noise behind it from the show that I took that from. Oh, it was playing on a show, and that was the music from the show. I think they thought okay. the cassette was over and hit the the, the sound the sound like at the Oscars when they hit that sound, but the people don't go. I love when that happens. Anyway, um, there were no ambient sounds. So why did he make the recording? It's, it's not a recording that says, oh, my God, I'm trapped. If you find this, I'm dead. Blah, blah, blah. It says, I am, you know, SOS. I'm on the edge of the cliff. I can't get out that way because of the Sasa, like all this stuff. What was the purpose of the recording? Some people think that he was so hoarse and so dehydrated that he made the recording to play so people would hear it. But it was a battery cassette recorder. How long is that going to last? Yeah. Plus, the river was there. Worst comes to worst, he could drink from the river. He'd probably get some toxic not toxic, but some kind of parasite or something, but at least it would sate his thirst. Oh, yeah. Uh, other people believe that he might have been shouting for help and accidentally sat or backed into the cassette recorder, which just started recording. Right. But again, if it was in the backpack, it would be muffled and it's not. And also there would have been some ambient sounds and there aren't any. Nothing, nothing to indicate he's moving around, nothing. A helicopter search had been conducted for him at the time that he had gone missing. And he mentions the helicopter in the tape. So that leads us to believe that maybe he could see the helicopter, was desperate to be rescued and could not see it. So that's all we have is questions, lots and lots of questions. And again, the Iwamura family insists that the voice on the tape is not their son. And the SOS can't probably isn't him as well, because the SOS uh, through those aerial photos looks like it predated. Yeah, take him. a look at it. I mean, we'll probably post it in association with um, this uh, on Facebook, like we always do with this going up. It's big. It's a giant SOS sign. And again, it wasn't like he just used rocks like they do on the beach and you know put an SOS. Somebody cut those trees down, right, and then hewed them into various sizes and then formed an SOS sign out of the birch trees and selected birch because it's white and highly visible from the sky. Are there, I don't know if you found this, but are there predatory animals in that park? Yeah, there's bears. There are, okay. Brown bears. But there was no sign that he'd been mauled. By a bear, because you would see some. No, but most of the apparently forensically, it looked like he had been mauled posthumously, which anybody who's dead right. outside would be. Here, well, here's another thing. Well, you, I'm at the end. That's my story. So now we can just speculate. That's the story. Well, here's the other thing: is that why would anyone go to the trouble of building this huge SOS thing when, like we've pointed out a few times, just pick a direction and move in that direction? Mm. Or retrace your steps. Well, and everybody says, survival people say, 
If you have a river, you're gold. People never get lost in the wilderness if they stumble across a stream or whatever, or a river. Rivers eventually lead you somewhere to the sea, to some kind of civilization. And it was a sizable river. It's not like a trickle that dries up in the summer. This is a river. Yeah, and, and certainly in those parts of the world, right, where it, this is a relatively small park. It's not a small park. Not a small park. No, no. I just mean, like, I'm considering the Siberian wastes or Canada's north yeah. where you could find you could find Hudson Bay and still die because you're nowhere near anything. You but know, they say that getting lost in the northern forests because they're so vast and dense is the worst thing because you don't know your direction. It's completely flat and it's just fir trees forever. I got to go to the Arctic a few years ago and perform there. And uh, it was Ooh, look at you. What a career. It was, yeah. No, you know what? One of my highlights of my career, you know, it was like breathtakingly beautiful, very alien. Like I've never seen anything like that before, but also kind of eerie because mm-hmm. that's it. Like I was in a Calouet in none of it, which is Canada has three northern provinces and none of it is on the eastern closest to Greenland. That's where sort of people are trying to picture where it is. You are, when you're in Iqaluit, which is a small town of about 8,000 people, there is nothing around. There are no roads out of Iqaluit. I didn't know that it was only 8,000 people. And growing. It's 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 growing well, rapidly. A lot of people go up north to get away from the shit in the south, right? And there's lots of money to be yeah. made too up there. Do you know my favorite vampire movie takes place up north, which is 28 Days? The 28 Days of Darkness? Is it 28? 30 Days of Night. Okay. That's not John Carpenter? 30 Days of Night. Did you ever see it? I don't oh think so. Oh my God, so. it's so good. What? Why are they up north? Because there's no, it's dark all the time. Okay, so but they're like a research station? Oh, Where no, are no, they? no. The town is like a, a small town small community up north but the vampires go there because it's dark all the time so right. there's not, i feel like i it's have so seen good that. and there's a month of solid darkness it was the first time i'd ever seen vampires who were just really feral like super feral oh it's great it's a great movie and you're okay. on the edge of your seat the whole time okay yeah uh, anyway I, that's just yeah and it's dark, like the, the day that it's, it's, they have a period of a month of complete darkness where there's no sunshine in this particular location. And that day is when the vampires arrive. Wow. Cool. So all that to say, but what you were to go back to what you were saying earlier. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right. If you find water, stick to the water's edge that will usually, especially in this case, take you to safety. Yeah. And it's a source of, of life yeah you can drink that water i mean a lot of people will do that and throw up and get diarrhea or whatever but you can still drink more after that well and if it's running if it's rapidly running water it's usually actually good odds that it will be safe to drink oh cool i didn't know that yeah if it's stagnant then of course bacteria and and things like that can grow in it right like swamp water but if it's rapidly moving water there's less of a chance you're gonna you're gonna get bacterial infection you could still get a parasite and things like that depending depending on what's upstream of you but you could get gonorrhea gonorrhea not a laughing matter (laughs) (laughs) that's not what the slogan was was it somebody with a punchline it's not a punchline or something not a punchline 
but that could be the next season of it is gonorrhea, not a laughing matter. <laughs> and we'll have guests on who've had it because, you know, they'll just lie. As soon as we put a call out, everyone's going to respond because that's something you want to share with people. Um, Dan, that's my goddamn story. Well, and I, was, I wanted to say something too. I, I, had a, I had one last question for you. Yeah, well, we can talk about it. I mean, that's why I'm here. So we know that these two guys that were originally lost but got found, that happened. We know that this Kenji, yes, that he went missing in the area. Are there any other reports of people going missing in this park? Well, yes, uh, but most of them have been resolved. So Right. But also people go there and hike and there's no way of knowing that they were there, really. Are there any theories on the SOS that you saw, like in Reddit or other places? Well, of course, Reddit, right? Reddit is just a, a cave of wonders when it comes to theories. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, there were tons of, they said that maybe somebody had put it there at some point when they were in distress, had gotten rescued and nobody bothered to take it down. Um, again, the problem is Japan. It's really, really hard to research this case. Yes. I worked really hard on this one just to get the minimal uh, data that I provided with you, that I share with you tonight. It's just Japan. It's the Las Vegas of Asia. <laughs> what happens in Japan, Japan stays in Japan. Except gonorrhea. So that's it. Yeah. Um, there was one American newspaper that reported on this. One. And the National Enquirer. No, no. And they think that it it made a whole bunch of goofs in the article anyway. Mm. So we don't know what happened. The creepiest part is obviously that tape recording. But my favorite part of the story is the SOS moment because it's kind of a sixth, sixth sense moment when – you get those two hikers and you're, they're like, oh, my God, thank God you've saved us. And the, the rescuers go, well, well, you saved yourselves by building that SOS sign. And the hikers go, what the fuck? We didn't build no sign. And there you go. Well, or the recording, too. Um, and I still find it strange that they initially thought, how did they make that big of a mistake? To definitively say we think this is a th- – these are female bones to going, oh, well, uh, I don't know. All very strange. The Reddit people went to town on that one too because the Reddit people are like, the pubic bone in a woman and a man are very different. That's right. If you're a forensic person, you would be able to right. spot that. So they they immediately – the comments are very funny. Like, who the hell did this forensic examination? The janitor? Like, they said stuff and like maybe that. Maybe it's the same people from Diet Love. But apparently, if a woman has gonorrhea – Oh, jeez. <laughs> I've, by the way, dear listener, you're always pushing your cream, eh? You're always trying to push that cream. It's a, to- it's, it's, it's a topical anesthetic. Ointment. Anyway, dear listener, please don't assume that I've ever had gonorrhea because I have not. Which is what you would say if you had had gonorrhea. Well, I've had an interesting life, but not that interesting. I've had dumb. I had crabs. What? But I got them from staying in a hostel in London, England. Oh. Yeah. I, I, that, and everybody at the hostel, when I got them. And I, I, because I was there for for about eleven days, I said, "Oh my God, you guys, there's you have to be careful. There's crabs in here." And they're like, "Well, of course, put you have to put plastic bags over the mattresses here. It's terrible." Do they look like what are they like little crabs? We're not having this conversation. I just, I'm curious. We're not having this conversation. Anyway, I didn't even get crabs from fun. I got them from a hostel mattress where my camera was also stolen. 
So it was a, that hostel is nothing but bad mojo for me. I once got in a hostel in Brussels. This is a true story. Uh, crack monkeys. What? Crack monkeys. You're being an asshole. No, I'm serious. It's the, they're tiny, 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 like almost microscopic monkeys. You're so full of shit. And they more embarrassing than anything else because they make high pitched squeals of delight. I assume like and people can hear it. And you know how you get them? Wet towels they're transferred through wet towels. I can't imagine why anybody would ever talk to you. And don't get me started about the time I got cheek rhinos uh, from a hostel in Cork. Oh, we're back to Ireland. Yeehaw. You just can't stay away, can you? Nope. Got to get back to Ireland. You drunk. And you, and you don't and you don't want to hear about the when I got Kodiaks. Stop. I, I, I'm I'm sure the listeners are are just like doing other things now. So that's the story. It's Japan. It's <laughs> Kenji. It's anime. It's a creepy tape. It's an SOS sign. Yeah, the SOS sign and the tape are the two. But I had to share that story because it just jumped out at me. And just so you know, I know I promised it before I am working on an episode about the Zodiac case. I am. But it's a lot of research. You got to wade through a lot of data because there's so many people have worked on that case. And I'm not dealing with the murder. I'm dealing with uh, the letters and the ciphers that he sent out because he is not your average serial killer. He's a clever serial killer. And and just in closing too, I do, it's a new season. So I just, I want to let you know as my partner in, in, uh, in this endeavor that I will not be bringing up big trouble in little China at all this season. Okay, we're going to, we know we've obviously moved on to other things. Yeah. Uh, Riley, Is that it for our first episode of season two? It is season two. Um, And I just want to say we have about, I I guess, (laughs) I don't know why I made that noise. (laughs) You look like a child right now. Uh, You folks can't see him, but his arms, he's like leaning forward in his chair and his arms are dangling over the side. George Jefferson. I got my arms behind me. Well, you look like you're five the way you're sitting. I wish I was five. All that energy, all that energy and appetite. You were saying. Yeah, we have, what, about a core of about 300 listeners, which is pretty respectable for a podcast as young as ours. And we're happy with that. And we just want to thank you guys for going along with us on this ride. And you seem to be sticking with us, which is great. Um, We love that. So we must be doing something right. Yeah. If you like what what we're doing, we don't ask for any money. Uh, what we would love, uh, as uh, any good podcaster asks, is uh, for you to rate us where possible. I know iTunes has that rating feature. And uh, just share and tell your friends and uh, and and the people that listen to podcasts, people who don't, who might like what we're talking about, let them know. And uh, that's the best way that you can repay us uh, for providing you uh, with stories about gonorrhea. <laughs> and hit us up man um we got a message from somebody where was the young lady from finland and it was dan shared it with me because he takes care of i take care of the editing and the technical stuff and dan takes care of the social media and he shared this message with me and it was so lovely to get this message from this uh this young woman in i'm assuming she's a young woman in in finland and it just made us both so fucking happy 
Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so just keep on going. We're, we're anxious and excited to do uh, season two and uh, to bring you uh, the same type of quality and fun that we did in season one. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. Absolutely. And we'll see you soon for uh, next week, actually, for uh, episode 28. Bye. Good night. Colloquial. Colloquially. 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 Colloquially.